Okay, so tonight my goal is to obviously um, share God's Word with you, but I want to be really transparent with you. I don't get a lot of time to talk to some of you, so um, I'm going to share a little bit about my life, and I'm going to share what God has shared with me. But um, I asked Keith what they were going to be talking about at the beach this week, and they're going through um, Colossians. So I wanted to kind of do that too. So before we start, I'm going to tell you, I just got back from vacation, so I was not here last week. So on vacation, you know, you're supposed to be relaxed and just chill out and lay on the beach all week, right? Okay, well... I'm not a normal person, as those of you who know me know that. Okay, so I went running Monday. We got there Sunday night. I went running Monday with Morgan. We went to the beach, and we're like, let's go for a run, okay? So I'm going down the road, and this golf cart pulls out, and I'm, like, approaching them. I'm not stopping, you know? I'm just like, okay, what are they going to do? Are they going? Are they stopping? What are they doing? So I took my eyes off. You know, I usually kind of, like, watch this area right here, but I was looking at them, so I did not run into them. Well, so I didn't see the rise in the road, and I tripped and just busted my hands, both knees, it was bad, okay? It was bad. I almost started crying, but I was trying to be tough. The lady was like, oh, my God, are you okay? I was like, yes, I'm okay. But I hit my face, and I'm blaming it on this. I think I was a little bit dazed because she asked me again if I was okay, and I was like, yes, I'm okay. Y'all are beautiful. And I just kept running, and I was like, I was like running, going, oh, well, why did I say that? You know, I'm so embarrassed, but I never saw her again, thank goodness. I, I guess. I don't know. I don't really remember what she looked like. But anyway, so by the time I got back to the condo, the blood was at the sock line, you know, and like, Joe's like, so are you running tomorrow or what? And like, it was terrible. Tonight, I still have a big thick bandage on it. It's really bad still. It's really weird. So it's been over a week and it's still giving me problems. But anyway, so yes, the next day we went running again and I kept my eyes on the road this time. But so I'm not normal, but that's okay. And there, there is really a lesson in that um, that kind of ties in tonight. Um, I want to read a little passage just real quick before we get into the message. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, okay, the writer of Hebrews has just went through all the people who came before like Abraham and Isaac and Moses and Enoch and all these heroes of the faith. And so they're saying, you know, they, they kept going, they did this stuff, even though they didn't reach the prize that they were going to get until later, but they, they believed in God, so they, they received a reward for that. And so in chapter 12, it starts out and says, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, which is all those guys that kind of went before us, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God sets before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I took my eyes off the path 
that I'm used to going down. You know, I, was, I, I know where to look when I'm running so I don't fall. And when I took my eyes off of that, I couldn't clearly see what was really ahead of me because I was looking too far down the road. And I fell. But I got up. And the next day I went back. That's the thing. You know, so many times in my life, I mean, I am the one I'm talking to tonight, I'm telling you. In my life, I have been through a lot of stuff. <laughs> and there have been a lot of things that for years, I mean decades, the enemy of my soul, the one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy me, made me believe that I couldn't be used by God anymore. Or that too many things had happened in my life to matter. Like, nobody wants to hear all that stuff. Stop whining about it and soak it up, you know. And, and I know, and I knew that's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy because we encourage each other through what we go through and through trials that we have and through seeing somebody push through and, and come out on the other side without being defeated or, you know, walking away from their faith or whatever. It makes you, it urges you to keep going when you see that it can be done. No matter what you've done or what you're doing or what you're going to do tomorrow, that you don't even know is coming at you yet. God can use you. God wants to use you. God don't just love us when we read our Bible. In fact, that doesn't have anything to do with why he loves us or how much he loves us. So, um, if I had to title my message tonight, it would be, and I just got this last night, so cool, uh, So We Tell. And I know it doesn't really make sense right now, but hopefully by the end, it will. Um, so We Tell. Y'all remember that. Um, for those of you who have scripture with you tonight, um, I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 1. And I wanted to just do a few verses, but I'm doing the whole chapter. It's not up to me what I say up here tonight, apparently, because I tried to stop in several different places, and it was like, no, no, it wasn't right, and I knew that. So I'm going to try to not make it boring. I have a little outline, so I don't get... Um, rambling on y'all because I do that sometimes. Okay, so um, I'm just going to read it and then kind of give you what God gave me in each section, okay? So Colossians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Okay, so actually Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossae from prison. Okay, we had this big talk last night, Joe, myself, and Kayla, and we're like, 
So how did he write a letter from prison? Like, did the mailman take it to this church? I don't know. I don't know if he, like, he was yelling it out the little square window or if he physically wrote it. I know Timothy was with him in some form because it's from him and Timothy. And I did a little bit of reading, and it was like they were in agreement in what they were talking about in this letter, and we'll go through that. So Paul and Timothy are addressing some issues in the church of Colossae which is where we get the book of Colossians. Pretty cool. Okay, so this is about 60 years after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, okay? So, you know, people are still alive that saw all that, okay? And so they're learning about Christ, and they're deciding if they want to follow Christ or not. But then there are other um, religions that are kind of trying to infiltrate and say that Jesus is a lesser deity than some of these other gods. So that's what the whole deal is here. So in verses, we'll start in verse 3. So Paul's continuing. We always pray for you. He's talking to this church. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So it's like he's trying to tell them that the good news is spreading, but he's also encouraging them to remember that they know that because they've heard it too. And it's like, just like you heard it and it changed your life, it's doing that all over the world. So it's like he's reiterating their faith for them, kind of trying to strengthen them a little bit. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker, he is, in, he is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for, uh, for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while... You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Isn't that amazing? Like, say you, you know, Christ comes in your heart and you start growing at age 20. Well, at age 70, you're still getting to know God better and better. You're never going to know everything. So it's always going to be so refreshing and so renewing when you learn something new or when he reveals another piece of himself to your heart. And I just think that is so cool that just like this word says, this word is alive. It is because it's God's heart. It's his breath to us. This is, this is God. And he continually, if we're seeking him, he's revealing different things to us. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us in the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 
This is so powerful. When I started reading this, I was like, this is so good. So Paul is encouraging them while reaffirming uh, what is true about the gospel, the good news, what they've heard, what they know, what they believe. He's just trying to remind them like God does that to us today. As we reach out to others, think about this. When you're reaching out to others or you're sharing your faith or you're sharing a piece of your story to somebody that, that connects with another person, if you're holding somebody accountable, you know, um, God is ministering to our hearts while we are reaching out to them. It's like a, it's, it's a full circle thing. It, it's amazing. Like, I studied for this, and God showed me so much, and I'm just hoping I can get it out to you. But it, it, it ministered to me, too. You know, it's just, it's just so cool. And so because of the Holy Spirit, this is possible. That's why. Y'all know that, right? It's because we're one body, many members of one body. That's why we're standing with our group in Florida right now because we're connected by one spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I just, that's so incredible to me that God made it that way. He made it that He didn't have to. He doesn't even have to use us, but He does. And I just, in our, our all of our flaws, our faults, our mess-ups, our sickening-looking lives, he chooses to use us. And by the Holy Spirit's might and power and His grace, it works. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful picture. And it's, it's nothing we could ever manufacture on our own. We could never, ever come up with this or, you know, do anything to, to fake it and it work, you know. Um, okay, so let's go on. Okay, so verse 15. Now, this is, Paul is about to begin to really start telling them who Christ is. Like, you remember who Christ is. Okay, and it is so powerful how he words everything. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. There you go. There you go. Jesus is God. He is. It's right here. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. That's real, by the way. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So awesome. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. That's us. Christ is the head of his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. 
He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. By means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away. Don't drift away. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I'm sorry. Okay. So, he, he's telling them, Jesus was in the beginning. He is the visible image of the invisible God. I just think that is the coolest way to word that in the whole world. That is so amazing. And in verse 23, he's really encouraged them, continue to believe and stand firm no matter what the circumstances of your life are. It is so easy for us, for me, when everything kind of seems like it's just kind of going from day to day like it's supposed to, it is easy to be like, I love the Lord. He is my rock. And, you know, everything is great. And you don't mean it to be like, you know, mundane or whatever. But we do get like that in our life. When everything's kind of rolling along, fine and smooth, you do, you're not as keenly aware of how incredible God is because you're not having to lean on Him for as much as when you're in deep pain, deep need, or something is wrecking your life because you're completely out of control of it. I mean, I'm, for me, anyway, that's for me. Um, so, think about death, sickness, job stuff. You know, that's, if you have a job that pays your bills and you lose it, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a scary thought. Um, uncertainty, worry, stress, fear, marital problems, a rebellious child, parents that you don't know what to do with because they're getting old and, you know, it's up to you to take care of them. All these things are real and they hurt and they're hard and, and you don't know what to do. There's been a lot of times raising my kids, sometimes I think, I don't know what to do. I mean, it's up to me to make this decision, and this is going to shape their life, and I'm responsible for it. And that's a big load to carry. And sometimes it's hard, you know? And so I'm just going to give you all a real-life example of what I'm talking about. Come here, Marley. Okay, so this is my daughter, Marley. And she is 10 years old, and um, she's just precious. Um, but anyway, um, 
so, you know, when I was saying how when things are kind of rocking along, you know, um, the, the people with older kids can relate to this. When your kids are little and you're just like, oh, my God, this bow is so cute. Oh, look at their outfit. You know, okay, well, when they get older, the parenting gets a little, little bit harder, okay? And so I have a 19-year-old, so I'm in that zone too. All right, so Marley, one day, a couple of years ago, I said, Joe, she is daydreaming a lot. I mean, like, she's, she got in trouble last week because she's not paying attention in class. What are we going to do? He's like, I said, but I daydreamed a lot in school. You know, I even got notes sent home. Dawn is a daydreamer. Is everything okay at home? Oh, my God. So, so I got in trouble for that. But anyway, with her, Joe's like, she'll probably grow out of it. So I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Well, that summer, I really started watching her. And it was more and more and more. And I was like, that's not, uh, I don't know if she's just daydreaming. Like, something weird. It looks weird. Like, she is really out of it when she does this. Long story short, doctor visits, tests. Marley was having absent seizures, okay? Her first test showed that she was having 50 to 100 seizures a day. I didn't know it. They're just going, floating through life, thinking everything's fine, and she's going through this. Okay, so felt like an epic failure, first of all. But more tests, medicine to stop it. But it, it kept progressing. Her eyes would twitch, and her eyebrows would twitch. So people knew something. I mean, you could tell then. They just continued, continued, test, test, medicine, two medicines. You know, um, they changed her whole personality. Um, this went on and on from third grade. She's going in fifth. So this was the summer before third grade all the way to now in fifth. Last year, it escalated to the point that she had a grandma seizure. We had to call 911. She wasn't breathing. Um, or anything like that, and I, I felt I was helpless. I didn't know what to do. I had done everything I was supposed to do. You know, she's healthy. I've taken her to the doctor, and I was like, God, please show us what to do, you know? So a few months went by, and they were still pretty bad, and... Um, February the 6th, we had, we were adjusting her medicine, taking her off this one that obviously wasn't working and bringing her up on this other one. And February the 6th was her last one that we know about. So that's awesome. Okay, so four months after that, her hair started falling out. Like bad. Like really bad. And I was like, she's not going to have any hair left if this keeps up. Like, I'm talking, it was like this every day. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And finally, one day, I said, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not letting the enemy steal one more day of me being afraid of what's going to happen because God is still God God is allowing this. There is a reason, and he loves her more than I do. And so I remember getting on my knees in my closet. It's the only place I can be alone. And just saying, 
God, I trust you. I trust you. That's all I could say. I couldn't say, help us, show me, nothing. I just said, I trust you. And every day when that feeling would come over me like, you know, she's probably going to have another one. It's just a matter of time before she has another one in the shower. And we didn't even know she fell. And she was having a seizure without us in there. I was like, God, I trust you. No, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let the fear take away the joy. I trust you. I trust you. And I was like, Marley, she knows everything. I've told her everything. We found out other things that, that, is, that are issues through all this. And it's almost like the seizures were the breadcrumbs along the trail to get us to the main thing that we're still working through and praying through. And so um, we trust God. Y'all trust God. Trust him. When your baby dies, trust him. When somebody in your family has cancer, trust him. No, it's not always going to work out the way we want it to. In fact, it rarely ever really does. That's in the storybooks. But our broken lives that we don't understand, that break us, that shake our core, is what God uses to help somebody else. And just like Kenny has said, it's not about us. It's about everybody else. Paul is saying from prison to trust God, to keep going, to remember that Christ is God. Christ died for us. Christ is here for us, and he controls everything. If we believe the good parts of the Bible, we have to believe every part of the Bible. And if we claim to believe the Bible, then we have to trust God and believe that no matter what happens in our life, it is for God's glory, and he will use it to our good. It may not be the, what we think is good, but it's the good for his kingdom. Thank you, baby. You can go sit down. Okay, so I'm going to close with this. Uh, the last few verses. Verse 24. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. That's us. And this is the secret. I think it's so cool that it says this is the secret. I just think that's so cool. Here's the secret. Christ lives in you. How amazing is that? That is what all the people in the Old Testament wanted. They would be so jealous of us right now because God lives in us. We don't have to go through a priest and go to a temple and, and all that. He's here. The things we can't even, when all we can say is, God, I trust you. He knows exactly why you can't get any other words out. Because he's right here. 
I just think that's so cool. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to tell anybody your story and how good God's been to you and how faithful he is. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Okay, best part, I think. Suffer well. Suffer well. Let's suffer well. No matter what it is, count it joy to suffer for Christ. If you're suffering for Christ, that means you're counted worthy to suffer in the name of the Lord. That's amazing to me. To serve Him. We get to serve Him. To share the gospel no matter the cost, no matter the circumstances of your life, now or in the past. Do not believe the lie that you cannot be used by God because of your past. That's a lie. That's a lie. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've done. That's a lie. God wants to use you, and he can use you if you will let him. If you will let him, he can and he will. Trust God. Keep going. The secret. Christ lives in you. So we tell always depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Verse 28, so we tell. All that, everything for my life and everything I just read and everything I just said, all comes to, that's why we tell. Because Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Because I trust God. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Because of the beautiful puzzle God has put together by bringing us all here. Because we're standing with our brothers and sisters on the beach in Florida. So we tell. And we never stop telling. And we keep running. And if we fall today, we get up and we go back tomorrow. Thank you. I love you. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you, God, right now, thanking you. Thanking you for the opportunity to stand and proclaim your goodness tonight. I love these people so much. And being on that stage two years ago, I never could have dreamed I would be standing on this one tonight. But I wouldn't rather be anywhere else in the whole world. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. And God, you love us. And I thank you and I praise you for it. I thank you for this place. I thank you for my journey. I thank you for everybody's journey in here. All the pain, all the joy, all the sickness and sadness, God. It all belongs to you. And you care about us and you love us and you see every single one of us. And I pray that if there's somebody in here that wants to give up, that they won't. 
they'll keep going tomorrow. They'll get up and they'll just keep going. Thank you. Thank you for sending Christ to be the visible image of the invisible God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within each one of us, God. What a gift. Thank you so much for everything, God. Everything you've orchestrated. Everything you've brought together. We love you. And we praise your holy, matchless name. Amen.